Hi, this is Kim Green from the Australian Netball Team. Join me and the rest of the Australian team when we compete at the 2014 Commonwealth Games. ABC Grandstand will bring every minute of the action. Glasgow 2014. Coming soon. Grandstand. ABC, ABC Grandstand. On radio, online and on digital radio. Gives himself room and swings across the line. Didn't time it all that well. Out to Cow Corner. This is Cow Corner, ABC Grandstand's Cricket Show. On the show today, young WA wicketkeeper and batsman Sam Whiteman announces himself as a suitable replacement for Brad Haddon down the track in the Australian team with a fine century in an Australian A match. New Zealand beat the West Indies in a test series in the Caribbean. And what's the reaction from the Kiwis from the announcement that England, Australia and India will control the game off the field? And also, of course, there's set to be a day-night test series between Australia and New Zealand next year. We'll find out from Brian Waddle. And great news for sports-loving Wagga in the Riverina in New South Wales with the news that next year they'll host a Sheffield Shield match for the first time. Peter Newland's having a well-earned rest this week on Cow Corner. Dan Lonigan flying solo. Great to have your company on Grandstand Digital and also around the Pacific on Radio Australia. Well, our first guest, outstanding in the Australia A match against India A, the first match in Brisbane. He put on 371 for the seventh wicket with Mitch Marsh. Australia in trouble at 6 for 99 in reply to India's 9, declared for 475. Osher made 219, not out for India. But Mitch Marsh and Sam Whiteman were outstanding. Whiteman making 174. India 5 for 285 in their second innings. Australia 5 for 534 in total. So in the end, that match ended up being a draw, the second match on next week in Brisbane. And Sam Whiteman has been good enough to join me on Cow Corner. Well, Sam, you must be pinching yourself. What an innings that was. Yeah, I am. It uh, sort of just feel quite real and still really hasn't sunk in, but it was, um, it was obviously good fun. Coming in a little bit earlier than I expected and um, it was obviously good to ride through the tough at the start and, uh, and cash in there. Good, good fun batting with Mitch. It must have been a good batting wicket. India made nine for 475, although with, as I say, Australia at six for 99 when you and Mitch joined forces, you mightn't have thought so. Yeah, it was. It was a very good uh, batting wicket and um, there was obviously plenty of runs scored there throughout the week. And um, Yeah, they just played it bold well early on, the Indians, and uh, took their chances and um, we're in a bit of strife. But it was, uh, it was obviously very pleasing coming in at number eight and um, helping the team out and um, and eventually getting a first thing as You don't normally bat as low as that. Did it take a little while for you to adjust to that position? No, not at all. I normally bat um, seven, so uh, it's very similar. And obviously coming in that early was, yeah, it didn't take much adjusting. So it was, um, yeah, it was, <laughs> still, uh, still pinching myself a little bit, but um, uh, yeah, stoked. I don't Now, you're now a permanent member of the WA side. Uh, you started off as a batsman. You became a wicketkeeper. How important has your wicketkeeper been for your batting and vice versa, you think? Yeah, definitely my wicket-keeping um, definitely rubs off on my batting. Um, I feel if I'm keeping keeping really well and taking my chances, um, then my batting sort of rubs off and therefore there's no pressure on my batting and hopefully I can chip him in a few runs. So I felt like I kept well this game and uh, took a few chances. So And yeah, and as you saw, uh, a few runs cleared off as well. So I was, uh, I was quite happy with the game. Do you feel... You're not that far away from being number two in the in the rankings in regard to uh, the Australian wicket-keeping position. I mean, Brad Haddon in career-best form last year. He turns, what, 38 next year. He's probably still got some cricket left in him. But do you feel with a performance like that that it does 
take you up the pecking order a bit? Oh, look, it's, it's hard to tell, really. It's, um, there's so many quality keepers around the States, and um, I'm sort of just happy to be in the mix at the moment. Um, obviously, it's a huge opportunity to play in the Australia A Series, and, um, and yeah, like, I was just glad to um, sort of make the most of the chance and get a few runs. Does it feel strange playing cricket in the Australian winter? Although, of course, you're in Brisbane where the climate is generally pretty good. Yeah, the climate's been really good uh, the last couple of weeks here, but um, definitely does feel <laughs> feel a little bit different. Um, sort of leading into last week, it didn't feel like we feel right watching a, watching a game of footy on Friday night and Saturday and then uh, going going up and playing cricket on Sunday. So. A little bit strange, but, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's exciting to play some cricket in the winter. And Sam, you know Mitch Marsh pretty well. You played a lot of cricket with him for WA. Is the sky the limit with him? Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's, um, he's a huge talent. He's obviously, he's obviously had a few opportunities in Australia, and um, yeah, I can't, can't imagine it's going to be too long until he's back in those colours. So when the two of you got together, what was the aim early on? Uh, obviously, you had to work hard to get yourself out of a pickle, but was it... A plan to eventually try and take the bowlers on? No, not really. We just, um, I think we came together, I think it was about 30 minutes left in play, so uh, we just really tried to get through the stumps and grind it out. And then uh, coming back on coming back on day three, we just um, looked to get through that first 20 minutes and then we knew if we could do that, we could really cash in. And um, and yeah, we sort of, when you mean cash in, you don't think of uh, scoring 180 and, and 210. So you think of, you know, uh, 80, 90, So it was really good to fill the boots and, um, and yeah, uh, help the team out. And there's plenty of experienced players in that team. Jimmy Faulkner's played a lot of cricket for Australia. Alex Doolan's the number three at the moment. Phil Hughes has been a permanent opening batsman at times in that Australian side. So there's plenty of experience for someone like yourself to be able to learn from. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's all good. Uh, obviously playing a little bit of cricket against these guys in, uh, in the domestic season, but... Um, it's always awesome to play, play alongside them. You learn, um, you definitely learn so much more, and uh, and yeah, it's just good to be able to play with guys um, who play that level and I guess know what it takes. So just trying to soak up everything off them. And also, Sam, play against uh, a reasonably experienced Indian side now. Oja, of course, not the spinner, but the batsman has had one one-day international and, and I think a couple of T20 internationals for the Indians. Uh, he must have batted well getting a double hundred in the first innings and unbeaten century in the second. Yeah, he did. He batted very well. He, um, yeah, he's, uh, I think he's, he's, I think it was his 100th first-class game, so he, he did it in style. And, uh, yeah, we couldn't, we couldn't get him out. He's... Um, it was his day and his game, so he, uh, he played very well. And um, hopefully come next week, we can uh, find a way to get him out. Well, Sam, good luck in the second match. Congratulations on what you achieved on the first match, and thanks so much for joining us in Cow Corner. No worries. Thanks for having me. That's Sam Whiteman, young Australian wicketkeeper from West Australia originally, who was outstanding in the Australia A, India A match in Brisbane, which was played during the week. Ended up being a draw. Those match scores again. India A9 for 475. Ojar 219 not out. And Boyce took four for 146. The Australian league spinner. In reply, Australia at one stage six for 99. Made 534. The highlight a 371 run seventh wicket partnership between Mitch Marsh and Sam Whiteman. Whiteman 174. Marsh 211. India 5 for 285 in their second innings. Good to see Chad Sayers, who's been a terrific bowler for South Australia over the journey. Uh, he took 3 for 48, but Ojar again a star, 101 not out. Raju was 100 not out. The second test, or the second four-day match, I should say, starting in Brisbane on July 13th. This is Cow Corner.
This is Cow Corner. Brian Waddle's going to join us very soon to talk all cricket New Zealand. Of course, one of the topics will be the reaction in New Zealand to uh, the upcoming, or likely upcoming next year anyway, day-night test series here in Australia, between Australia and New Zealand, as to uh, how the New Zealanders feel about, uh, well, basically Australia and New Zealand being the guinea pigs to play day-night test cricket. We saw, and Peter Newlands and I spoke about it on the program last week, that uh, there was a, a round of Sheffield Shield cricket earlier this year using the pink ball and has been a great reaction from the players to a Cricketers Association survey on the pink ball. And there'll be another round later this year at the start of the new season to get ready for the likely inclusion of day-night test cricket next year. But Brian Waddle will join us very soon. Now, talking of the Australian A squad, Nathan Lyon has been added to the Australian A squad for the second of these four-day matches, and that'll just give him some opportunity to play some cricket. Of course, he's working with uh, the great Sri Lankan spinner, Matai Muraliteran, who's been added to the Australian coaching team to get them ready for the upcoming Test Series in October against Pakistan in the UAE. And Peter George, who's played one Test, and that was against India, and one of his two victims was Sachin Tendulkar. Uh, he wasn't going to be offered a new contract for South Australia. He's fallen out of favour there. And uh, the one test player is going to move to Queensland. He hasn't been given any promises there by the Queensland coach, Stuart Law, but he'll play in some trial matches in the lead-up to the new season. So uh, he'll be a pretty handy acquisition to the Queensland team. But up next on Cow Corner, we'll talk all things New Zealand cricket with the voice of New Zealand cricket, Brian Waddle. Well, this is Cow Corner with Dan Lonigan. Great to catch up with Brian Waddle, the voice of New Zealand cricket. Brian, great to have you on the program once again. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, nice to be with you. Plenty happening in the world of cricket in New Zealand. What's the reaction over there to the the likely clash between Australia and New Zealand day-night test matches? Uh, do you think the New Zealanders will like it? And do you think they'll adjust to it? Well, I think it'll be seen as something a little bit novel, but I think the reaction has been muted, really. I, I, no one's really gone overboard saying, yeah, this is a great thing. Uh, but it's like anything that um, if it's if it's novel and if it's something that uh, is likely to be accepted, then give it a try. Myself, I'm I'm not sure it'll be a huge success, but uh, you know anything's worth a try to try and uh, develop the game, particularly the Test match game, and get people along to it. Have the New Zealand players had an opportunity to play with the pink ball, which is likely to be the uh, the coloured ball that they'll use? Uh, for these test matches, yeah, I think some of them have uh, toyed around with it, and they've they've had a little trial. One of the things that's been mentioned is that um, in, in white clothing and stuff, the, the, the red ball isn't much different to the pink ball anyway, to some degree. So, I, I guess it's going to be a bit of trial and error to see, firstly, whether the the ball and the the ability to see the ball is going to be um, effective. And whether or not uh, the public are going to enjoy it, therefore the players are going to enjoy it, or vice versa. Um, it's, it's just one of those things, I think, that you don't really know until you give it a crack. Well, the issue here is that the Australian Cricketers Association held a survey amongst their players, and a large majority of them uh, were very uncomfortable about the pink ball. I mentioned earlier there's going to be another round of Shield matches later this year where they'll trial the pink ball, but at this stage uh, there's obviously a long way to go, and yet the series is, is scheduled, uh, what, for a little bit over a year away? Yeah, well, it depends, of course, how well the, red, the, the pink ball 
uh, performs alongside how the uh, the red ball performs. And you know, I don't think you want to dilute Test match cricket just for the sake of something novel. I, I think it's still got to be retained in its current form, and therefore, uh, you know, it's going to be something that'll be watched with a fair bit of interest. Now, Brian, can I ask you about Lou Vincent? Uh, of course, he's been banned uh, for life for, uh, of course, match-fixing in cricket, the former New Zealand player. What's been the reaction? Yeah, I think there's been strong reaction. I think uh, they've seen the ban as appropriate for the uh, the crime, so to speak. The the sadness of it all is, is uh, it's, it's a pity for a guy who was so vulnerable to be uh, caught up in something like this, and, and now, you know, he's not going to be able to be part of the game in any form, whether it's in coaching, whether it's in developing young kids, whatever. He was wanting to set up an academy in New Zealand. Uh, you often find, you know, somebody gets a life ban and doesn't always meet in life, and, and, he, and he may well be able to find his way back into the game uh, at some time in the future. But uh, it's it's just sad. To me, it still seems to be a tip of the iceberg. There's a lot of rumours floating around. And I guess we just have to wait and see what comes uh, up when it does emerge in public, you know, what has been going on and who has been involved. Uh, many of the names, of course, you, you can't say too much about because there's no case being brought against them. But, you know, it's it's just highlighting, I think, the, the problems that New Zealand cricket and world cricket are facing with match fixing. And you wonder whether they're really ever going to get to the bottom of it all. Do you agree that with what New Zealand cricket administrators are saying, that if other players come forward like Lou Vincent has, that uh, they'll, they'll obviously get into serious trouble and that's why they won't come forward, that what Lou Vincent has done, obviously at the end of the day, uh, a lot would say is, is the right thing to do, but some may not see that as the right thing to do. Maybe players who uh, may have been allegedly embroiled in this? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure that will be the case. Uh, it's all very well to stand up when you've retired from the game and, and make uh, the you know facts known. If you're still playing or if there are other players who know something, they may not want to uh, commit themselves to the problems that, that Lou Vincent is facing because, you know, he's... Um, He's under the microscope from a lot of areas, and uh, you know, security-wise, there's been a lot of concern about his security in Auckland uh, and people who may be after him. You, you never know how realistic that all is. So, I think it's something that uh, any player who does have any information or any involvement is going to think twice about uh, making a public pronouncement because of, firstly, the the penalty and and what goes with it all. Now, on the field, uh, New Zealand have won a test series against the West Indies and they've just drawn a T20 international series. What did you make of their performance? Yeah, impressive. I think it's small steps for New Zealand. They're, they're making progress in their game after the turmoil of sort of 18 months to two years ago. Uh, they've won that series in the West Indies. Not an easy thing to do. Winning series in any country uh, away from home is, is difficult. And New Zealand did a good job in doing that in the test matches and playing the T20s with basically their test match squad. They didn't take any specialist players over there, so it wasn't really a T20 squad that um, played against the West Indies, whereas the West Indies had their top T20 players, apart from uh, Chris Gale playing. But uh, it's just been highlighted the development of New Zealand now. They've issued their 20 contracted players for the next 12 months, and there's some quality young players, and I think there's a there's a feeling of some excitement about what is in store. I don't think that anybody wants to get carried away too much, but uh, you know there's a, a depth developing in the international game. 
that is exciting. And now it's a matter of some of these players really putting performances on the board. And there is going to be genuine competition for places in the New Zealand side. And I think that's always encouraging. But you know, as I say, small steps over the last 12 months, and they've got to continue making those small steps. I don't think New Zealand is ever going to be in a position of... Um, going way ahead at the rate of knots because we just don't have the number of players to do that. As you said, Brian, you've got a good batch of young players coming through, but the impression I'm getting too is that the lineup has been a lot more settled than in past years, uh, that, that players have been given plenty of opportunities to try and, and in better spot in the team, and uh, generally they've taken that opportunity, haven't they? They have, and I think a lot of that's been brought about by uh, the selection panel, Coach Mike Hessen and former New Zealand international uh, Bruce Edgar, who spent a lot of time uh, working in Australia in recent years in the finance industry and, and also doing a lot of coaching over there. And I think that uh, they've brought a, a continuity and a consistency of selection. They haven't chopped and changed. They had a situation with two players. Uh, Corey Anderson uh, was the first choice to bat at number six for New Zealand in the Test Series, but he got injured before the Test match started. Jimmy Neesham came in, scored another 100 and uh, enhanced his reputation. Now he's got the place and Corey Anderson's going to have to fight to get it back. And, and I think those are the sorts of things that are rubbing off on the players, that continuity and the fact that they have got the faith of the selection panel, the captain and the coach and um, therefore they have the confidence to perform and try and succeed. Brian, great to catch up. No doubt we'll catch up again soon. Take it easy. Looking forward to it, Dan. That's Brian Waddle, the voice of New Zealand cricket. Plenty happening over there, and good to see New Zealand on the field playing some pretty good cricket. As mentioned, had that uh, series win over the West Indies, and then they drew the one, uh, the T20 series one all. But as Brian said, they certainly didn't take uh, their strongest team for that uh, T20 series against the West Indies, who are one of the best T20 nations in the world. This is Cow Corner on Grandstand Digital and also on Radio Australia across the Pacific. Stan Lonigan flying solo today. Peter Newland's having a well-earned rest. Up next, we're going to go to the regions, and we're going to find out about Wagga. What great news this is. They'll be hosting their first ever Sheffield Shield match next year. This is Cow Corner, ABC Grandstand's cricket show. Well, Wagga in the New South Wales River Arena has a reputation of being one of Australia's best sporting towns and was the birthplace of star cricketers like Jeff Lawson and Michael Slater and Sydney Swans Brownlow medalist Paul Kelly. Wagga also will be a Sheffield Shield cricket venue when it hosts the New South Wales match this season in February next year against Victoria from the 15th of Feb until the 18th. Newcastle will also host a match with the SCG unavailable due to the World Cup. Graham Dutton is ABC Grandstand's local cricket correspondent for the Riverina, and he's on the line to tell us all about this big achievement for Wagga. Well, Graham, welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Dan. Thanks very much for uh, taking the time to talk about Wagga and what's coming along with the Sheffield Shield. How excited are you, and also how surprised are you that Wagga have got the opportunity? Uh, Did the people involved in cricket in the Wagga area get a bit of an inkling that uh, they're a massive chance? Well, I don't know if a massive chance. It was an inkling that it was going to occur. And I remember Jeff Lawson, when he was here earlier this year, he was really pushing to get uh, these sort of things occurring in regional centres. And obviously, being from Wagga himself, he uh, made a statement in the local press about that. And, yeah, there's been a bit of a push and with an upgrade of Roberts Nova where the, the game will be held. Yeah, you know, we're always hopeful, but of course, when the, the announcement came last week, there was uh, certainly a lot of joy around the place, and a lot of people have really, really, you know, uh, relished the opportunity that's going to come our way. So you weren't sure whether they actually had to apply for it. Uh, was it a case of 
New South Wales cricket just having a look for alternative venues. Is, is, is that the understanding? Yeah, yeah well, I think uh, the Walker Cricket uh, did do a submission of some sort. I did speak to Luke Olsen, the development officer down here, uh, on Monday, and he just told me that they, they'd put in... Uh, a bit of a, an interest, and I think the Cricket Association did look at what was available here. So a combination of those factors, Dan, I think have played a big part in, in obtaining the game. Well, it's a massive sporting town, and uh, you'd have to say at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's thoroughly deserved, isn't it? Oh, very much so. And it's, it's just the shot in the arm that cricket needs here. Not that you know, there's any problems at all, but it, cricket has been a bit of a lull, and other sports have really... Uh, you know, had the exposure with many other teams in, in uh, football codes coming here. But for cricket, this is just what we need, not just for Wagga, but for the surrounding areas as well, as you'll be aware. You know, there's, there's Moras, Tumits, Cootamundra, which are strong cricket areas. And hopefully they'll those people will come in on the weekend, particularly on the Sunday, to uh, to view this game. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And people have been approaching me and saying, look, I'm really looking forward to it doing what happened to them when they were young kids. Uh, their father took them to the SCG, but now they're going to take their kids to see these, these sort of games in their local venue. So it's, it's really exciting. Tell us about Robertson Oval. Yeah, look, Robertson Oval, it, it has hosted games in the past. It's had the MCC here a couple of times and the Indians as well. Uh, it's been revamped a couple of years ago. It's hosted GWS over the last couple of years. The surface has been uh, totally... Uh, redone, a new pitch laid, the, the outskirts have all been done as well, the up, upgrade of the uh, dressing rooms. It's a, it's a beautiful little ground right in the heart of uh, Wagga itself and like I said it's hosted the last two years GWS so it's, it's looking forward to a big crowd hopefully on, particularly on the, on the Sunday. So you talked about the crowd, what's the capacity crowd wise? Look I think comfortably it'll probably take about eight to 10,000 and and I remember I read an article with Jeff Lawson this week after he heard the announcement. He remembers a regional game in Newcastle which attracted 14,000. So I don't think we'll get that, but it'd be great if we can attract, you know, eight to 10,000 would be absolutely fantastic for cricket in the, in the region. And uh, obviously uh, there'll be a lot of work done with the pitch. Do you think we'll, we'll get a, a batting-friendly wicket, uh, Graham, or a bowling-friendly type of wicket? Look, Jeff Lawson, as he's say, we, we, we know which way we'll be going, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we certainly do. Yeah, look, in the last few years, it's probably been a batsman's uh, wicket, but uh, I think Stephen Stapleton's the curator. He's been doing it the last few years, and he's a very good curator, and he'll work closely in conjunction with New South Wales, New South Wales cricket, I'm sure, to prepare one that'll probably be an evenly balanced pitch, I would have to say, so it'll favour the bowlers early. Uh, when it settles, settles down, you know, i say it's a good batting wicket. Would you hope that this would become... A sign of things to come, not only for New South Wales but for other states that they might maybe every year hold one Sheffield Shield match in regional centres? Oh, look, I think it's almost essential that, that that occurs because we often talk on the ABC grandstand here in, in the Riverina on Sunday morning, Saturday mornings and just discuss the fact that you know regional centres need this shot in the arm to promote the sport and like I say it's not just Wagga it's the surrounding areas as well and in other states where they have you know regional areas that well that to support the little cricket associations that you know crave this sort of thing and expose the the players the youngsters to these these great players that will you know hopefully be on show we're looking at a local fellow called Nathan Lyon obviously you'd be aware mm. of from young yes and hopefully he might be in the side Chris Rogers uh, with the Victorian side 
he has an association here with uh, his uncle, his late uncle, Derek Rogers, which was probably one of the, the greatest names in Riverina cricket. So, yeah, I think it's essential for uh, regional areas to, to get these sort of games, to keep the game alive, because these these small centres need this. It's the, the lifeblood of many small communities. And no doubt, Graham, you'll be there. Try keeping oh. you away, eh? <laughs> exactly. I'll be there with bells on, Dan. It's, uh, I'm excited already. As I said, that you'd be surprised the number of people who've, who've, who've spoken to me. I was at the football last Saturday and people came to me and said, look, I'm really excited about this. So, yeah, there's a buzz about the place at the moment. Good on you, Graham. Graham Dutton joining us, who's the Riverina cricket commentator on the ABC and uh, having a chat about the fact that Wagga is going to be hosting uh, a Shield match. It's first ever Shield match next year against Victoria Newcastle. Also hosting a Shield match, of course, with the SCG being used for the World Cup. How exciting it is for regional centres to get an opportunity to host a couple of Shield matches next year, particularly as far as New South Wales is concerned. Well, that's Cow Corner for another week. We'll have part two of Peter Newland's Tony Cozier interview, one of the all-time broadcasting greats from the Caribbean. That'll be on the program next week on Cow Corner with the Paul Tier Company then.